taken me three years to get here. <laughs> and they didn't let me into the country. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's so good to bring you the word this morning and to have seen some of you last. Yesterday, we had a good time at the ladies' meeting, you know, talking about um, navigating in uncertainty. You know, during COVID, um, recently my husband shared that the Lord, he asked the Lord in prayer during that time, what do I do? What do I do? And he said, God said to him, do you remember Moses when he got to the Red Sea? The Egyptians were behind him. And then in front was the Red Sea. And God said to my husband during COVID, you're going to go forward. Because you, you look behind, you want to go to Egypt. But when we take that step of faith, he goes and walks with us. So we're moving forward through all the things that we've been through. He's walking with us, and we're going to look at some of those themes in his word this morning. So it's good to be here. Let's pray and get into the word. Father, I thank you that the entrance and the unfolding of your word will bring life, it will bring understanding, it will bring clarity, it will bring strength, it will bring hope, renewal, times of refreshing to your people again. As we move forward, in this season, we thank you that the Holy Spirit who lives in me will speak profoundly this morning to your people and the anointing will be released in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to get into the word. I have a plane to catch as well when I finish today. So I, if you were here yesterday, I'm always telling you that I'm looking for sons-in-law for my daughters. Well, I've got one now, so... One down, one to go. <laughs> God is good. So we have a new, the younger one is getting married in October this year in Spain to an amazing, godly young man. So thank you for your prayers. And so, yeah, it's good. It's good. So that's my big news this year. And my other big news is like all of you, I'm so grateful that God preserved my life in this season. You know, I shared yesterday that I don't know about you, but I feel the collective loss and trauma of our nation and our world. And there were days when I would watch TV and my husband would come downstairs and I'd be crying. And he said, what happened here? Because I had, at the time I also had a toothache that I couldn't go to the dentist for because all dentists were shut. And he said, is it your tooth? And I said, no, no, somebody died on TV and they're the same age as me. They're a nurse. And it would just hit me. But I saw God also through loss and through all of that season. I don't know about you, but hold my hand and walk me to today. And so I feel like I shared yesterday that we are here, you and I, here in this moment, because there's something for us to do until we see the return of our king and until he calls us home. There's a task for us to do, and he will hold your hand as he held my hand. He will hold your hand and walk you through the season. And we're going to look at that this morning. So I've titled my teaching this morning. I changed it a few days ago, but I called it When You Pause, Reflect and Renew. He said, what was it before? Before it was Pause, Reflect and Renew. 
And I think because what I believe God wants to communicate to your hearts this morning is that on the spiritual journey and on our life journey, he wants us to pause on the journey, reflect and renew. In, in England, the United Kingdom, we have a campaign called the, the motorway or what you would call the freeway campaign. And they say that everybody who is driving on the motorway or the freeway, as you call it here, needs to build rest stops, periods of pausing before continuing on your journey. And the tiredest, tiredness campaign, as we call them, they say that drivers on long journeys should take a 15-minute break every two hours during their journey. And I, I, I put in my notes, I wonder how many drivers actually heed the message of this campaign. Because pausing, stopping, reflecting, renewal, they are not what I call the buzzwords of the 21st century. And they are not disciplines and activities that all of us, including myself, that we naturally gravitate towards to. However, 2020 forced us and brought our world and our lives to a grinding stop. And it was humbling. The word pause, P-A-U-S-E, means a temporary stop. It means a cease. The other word I'm going to teach on is reflection, to reflect. It means to think deeply or carefully. To think deeply or carefully. Reflection enables you to review positively what you are doing for effectiveness rather than to just carry on doing the same thing as you have always done. Reflection enables you to question in a positive way what you do and why you do it. And the reason why reflection is important is that through reflection, and what we call self-reflection in my work as a therapist, and in our, all our lives, when we, we, we have reflection and self-reflection, it leads us to develop self-awareness. You say, what's that? Well, self-awareness is simply an awareness of yourself in relationship, where you can look at how you're relating with yourself, how you're relating with others, how you're relating with God and what makes you do what you do. Because growth, to grow in ourselves, we need to be able to reflect. Notice I didn't say look inside and pick all the things wrong with you. Reflection is a positive exercise. And the three words that we're going to be looking at today, reflection, pausing or stopping, and renewal, they are all themes that are in the Bible. If you come with me 
in your Bible to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. So we're talking about when you pause, when you reflect, and when you renew. I didn't do renew. So let's define renew. Renew is to restore to freshness for vigor or perfection. In Webster's Dictionary, the word renew means to make as if new again. It means to make young, fresh, strong again, and to come back into good condition. So can you see how that is essential? That when you don't pause on your journey, reflect, and then renew makes you energized. And we're going to see some spiritual themes and internal themes on why sometimes our lives are in stagnation. Not because God doesn't want to move in our lives, but because of these three disciplines or activities that we're not building into our life. Genesis 2, verse 2 to 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And God blessed. He spoke of the seventh day. He set it apart as his own, and he hallowed it because it was on that day that God rested from all his work which he had created and done. God was setting a premise. He was showing us how to live our lives, that we build rest into our journey. Sometimes people have shared with me that they are not sleeping. They don't sleep very well. And so I would work with them on, on the mind, on what we call the engagement system. Because when you sleep, rest and sleep are two different things. In order to sleep, you need to be in a restful mode. So rest is when you turn off what we call your engagement system. That means the thoughts, the unfinished work in the course of the day, all of that. So sometimes I will say to people, why don't you do activities before you go to bed that bring your mind, your brain to a stop? What we call turn down activities. So for some people, I would say you can knit. Some just read um, read uh, the Bible or read a psalm or worship. Something that takes your mind. And you need to like actively. Sometimes I tell my clients, okay, let's create an imaginary filing box. What activities didn't you finish today that are still spinning? Can we put it away? And then we go to a psalm or a scripture that in you, oh Lord, I trust and you make me lie down and sleep and my rest will be sweet. We look at scripture and all of that. But God showed us that when you finish your work, you accomplish anything. Those of you who were here yesterday, I, I, I share that I don't set goals in January. I don't set any goals in January. And last year, I did a big Instagram live on why I don't set goals in January. And so many people turning to listen, why don't you set goals in January? Because people run. 
and do everything that everybody else is doing. Remember the definition of reflection is to positively question what you are doing and why you do it. Why are you setting a goal in January? Or why are you setting any goal? Because I want the wins, the things that I did last year in 2021. I want to sit with them, those things inside me and do what I call and feel the things inside me. Talk to God about my life, where I'm headed, because I don't want to be aimless. I don't know about you. And look at why I do what I do and where I am at right now. That's what pausing reflection does and where I need to go. So God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, the Bible says he stood back from his work. And in one verse, it says that, and God looked at everything that he had created and he said, this is good. We don't, we don't take in our experiences. Either we're busy taking a lot of pictures about it and posting it. But we don't really take it in. And that's why we have so much of what we call imposter syndrome. Do you all know what imposter syndrome is? People achieve things, then they feel like I'm a fraud. Maybe my, my work people will find out I'm not good enough. You know why? Because we don't embody our wins where we step back like God and take in what has happened and say, God, thank you. We talked about gratitude yesterday. So God modeled for us about pausing from our work. Secondly, the Israelites on their journey to the promised land, God instructed them and Moses to build rest stops into their journey. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 12, Numbers 10, verse 12, the Bible says this, and the Israelites took their journey by stages. Are you hearing me? By stages out of the wilderness of Sinai. And the guiding cloud, that was how God led them. We have the Holy Spirit today in the New Testament church. We have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. The Bible says that, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. But in the Old Testament, God led them by a cloud. And the Bible says that what well, we just read that God told them to travel in stages. We, we have a, 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 a proverb. I don't know if it's an African proverb or not. But it says, how do you eat an elephant? A piece at a time. Because sometimes we want everything and I want it, and I want it now. My younger daughter is just finishing her qualification as an attorney. What you, um, a solicitor, you would call attorney. The journey was long. Lots of learning, difficulties. Pastor Meg has prayed with her. We have stood with her. During covid in a dark season where everything was bleak, she suddenly got a massive breakthrough in the law firm of her dreams. Then this year, last year, the law firm was opening its new offices. 
beautiful building in, in the heart of central London. And when she went for the event, the part, one of the par senior partners turned to her and said, Sinead, do you know that it's taking us seven years to get here as a firm? She said, Mommy, I went to the toilet and I wept. Seven years it had taken my daughter to get to that point in her career. God was preparing that law firm for her. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? And then they gave her 10,000 pounds for the master's program. She had taken a loan to, 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 to go on, paid it for her. In COVID, dark season, when you pause, when you renew and you reflect, you take in, we're going to, let's just continue. You see, the word recreation, the word recreation means the state of creating again or anew. Therefore, when we rest and we pause, it will enable us to be awake again. It will awaken something in you again when you rest. Otherwise, you just keep going without any thought to what, why you do what you do and what is even energizing you to do. We just keep going and keep going and keep going. You know, the, the um, Carl, Carl Jung, I know I don't subscribe to everything he says, but some things are good. But Carl Jung says that when you look outside of yourself, you dream. But he said, when you look within, you awaken. I don't know about you, but I'm coming out of this season awakened. I'm picking up. God wants us to pick up all the dreams, the aspirations. Again, they never went anywhere, church. God just held the, He holds all our dreams, our goals, our desires, our longings in like a treasury. Like he holds it. And he says, I'm waiting for you to mix it with faith and come and get it from my hand. He waits. And I think we are sitting, or we, and we are in such a season where it's like, do you want to go for it? Do you want to go for it? Because I am. Do you want to go for it? I am. Do you want to go for it? I am. Hallelujah. And the reason why we need to pause on our journey, why we need to reflect, and why we need to renew, recreate again, is because weariness, burnout, tiredness are a part of the physical and the spiritual journey. When my daughter was going through her journey of seven years to qualify as a solicitor or an attorney, Guess what? There were times when she was tired and we spoke the word to her. We had people like Pastor Meg speak truth because we get worn out. You know where we get worn out, church? In our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's where we fight our battles. And that's why we need to replenish ourselves, you know. And you need to look at your life your journey has just solely you. I was sharing with the ladies yesterday that 
I learned to run in lockdown. Things that we learned. Because I couldn't go to the gym. I started walking and eventually it got cold and I didn't enjoy walking so so fast, so slow. So I run one kilometer, then I run three kilometers one day, then I run five kilometers, and now I run 10 kilometers seven days a week. This morning I've done 10.57 or something like that today in Pastor Mex neighborhood. So I learned to run. And <laughs> and when I'm I started running, obviously. I am a middle-aged woman. Don't let this fool you. I am a middle-aged woman. That's what they call my children, tell me, and remind me. And I see young people running. You know, they're really on it, you know, and they pass me, and they pass me all the time. And one time, even in the snow, I'm just trying to run, and I fell, boom, on my backside, and I lay there in the woods waiting for help. Are you kidding me, Jane? Who's going to come and get you here? So I lay there for a bit in the cold just to catch my breath, get my body when I got up. But I, this is what helped me where we fight the battle. I said, it's your body. It's your workout. It's your race, Jane. It's my pace. I'm not following those young people. I don't know how far they're running for, but I know what I have ahead of me. And that's why the Bible says what? Looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking unto Jesus. Why? You, you, because when you look at other people, you're going to start to compare yourselves. When you go look at where, how far, maybe I should have achieved this by 35, 45, whatever. It's called the rat race. You finish that, you're still a rat. So you, either you focus on your own race. He says, looking solely unto Jesus, he's the author. You know what that means? He's the one writing your story. He's the one who started writing your story. And he's going to finish writing your story. And may I tell you, it's going to be a good story if you look unto him. Looking unto him. And so that's why the Christian race is such a paradox. Because it's the only race we're supposed to run with patience. Looking where? Only unto Jesus. So you say, it's my life, it's my pace, it's my Lord I'm looking to. You get up on Monday, you can't get up. You say, Lord, it's my life, my journey, one foot in front of the other. That's how I run every morning, one step at a time, one kilometer at a time. I'm running all the way to that day when I see my kin. I'm talking about the spiritual journey. But God knew that tiredness will come. Come with me to another scripture. Hallelujah. I'm building a case for where I'm going. Hallelujah. When you pause, when you reflect, and when you renew. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. Luke 5. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. On one occasion, Jesus was preaching to the crowds on the shore of Lake Galilee. There was a vast multitude of people pushing to get close to Jesus to hear the word of God. He noticed two fishing boats at the water's edge with a fisherman nearby rinsing their nets. Jesus climbed into the boat belonging to Simon Peter and asked him, let me use your boat, push it off a distance away from the shore. So I can speak to the crowds. You know, Jesus might want to need, need, use your boat. Might want something in your hands. 
so he can reach people. Do you know that? But you're sitting on that gifting. You're limiting yourself, some of you. But we'll come to that. He says, may I use your boat? And so I can talk to people. Verse 5. Master, Peter replied, we have just come back from fishing all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. Let me break this down. The disciples had been fishing all night. They were exhausted, burnt out, tiredness. Life sometimes beats us. Same nine to five job. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, same job, same food, same wife, same husband. I'm not suggesting you change your spouse, but you know what I'm talking about. It can be boring sometimes. Let's just be frank. Unless you tell yourself something. That's why the self-talk is so important. Because <laughs> love is not a feeling, you know. I, there was a time when I met my husband when my knees used to go so soft. The friends and my heart used to do... <laughs> These days, it, I, I, <laughs> when I see him, my heart doesn't go... <laughs> but here's the thing. I love him more than I did 35 years ago. I do, I do so much. And with Sinead, my older daughter has moved abroad. She's working abroad and Sinead is going. She's got herself a husband. So it's going to be myself and him and the dog. And so either I'm very close to him and love him or the dog is going to be my best friend. And I'm, I don't know, I love, I don't, I don't hate animals, but that dog is not going to be my best friend. I'd rather talk to Kofi. But the disciples had fished all night. They were exhausted. They had caught nothing. They were fishing the way that they knew how to. Insanity, says Albert Einstein, is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result. So Jesus said, let down your net. And you know, he asked the same thing of you this morning, would you let down your net in a different direction because I want to use your boat. I want to use something in your hand. Because he says, let it down for a haul. Go deeper. Unless you are willing to go deep into God in this season, you cannot go high. In order to reach the heights, there has to be depth. Did you get that? That means you got to just dig deep into him and then the lift and the raise and the promotion and the elevation and they were exhausted you know and these were people who were fishing they knew what to do you know because because weariness comes to all of us all of us it is a part of the journey we are on Isaiah 40 if you please Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known, have you not had the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not grow faint or grow weary, There is no searching of his understanding. When I was reading this verse again this morning, it's just like 
really just went into my heart. I said, God, so you never get tired. God, you never get tired. I said, this is a bad day. I'm exhausted. My clients wore me out. My kids wore me out. There is no searching of his understanding. Oh, I love 29. He gives what? Power to the faint and the weary and to him who has no might. He increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. But you know, that might and that strength, we looked at that scripture yesterday to the, to the ladies. He gives his strength only to people who say I'm weak. So if you, are, you, are, you can do everything yourself, he's not giving you his strength. Those who are weak, those who say, Lord, I can't, but you come and do through me. Hallelujah. So because he, so we need to be looking to him for that strength. You know, at my physical age now, I am mentally more stronger, emotionally stronger than when I was at 21 when I went to England. You said, it's because of the age? No. It's because of learning. I'm not there yet. My goodness, I have nowhere arrived. I feel like I have just begun my relationship with God, especially in the last two years. I, don't, I didn't know God. I feel like I've just begun walking with this man, God. And, and, and the strength and the care and the love that we can experience with God, if we can say, will just overwhelm and blow your mind in a good way. But if you look at verse 30, <laughs> this is for the young people. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and selected young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. The, the word of God is saying even young people who are supposed to have vigor and, and vitality. Remember, we're talking about renewal, pausing, reflection. That young people in the natural are supposed to have more energy. He, he says life can wear you out and beat you up. Several years ago, my husband had a few young men come into his office that he hasn't seen in a long time. It's about 15 years ago, and they came one after the other. He says, how have you been? I haven't seen you for a long time. How are you doing? And when he came home that night, he said, Jane, these young men were doing life without the life giver. They are doing life without the life giver. I don't know, I don't know about you, how anyone today can do life without the life giver. He gives what? Power to the faint. He's increasing your strength, even as I speak right now. If you're exhausted, young man, he's saying, come to me. Hallelujah. But verse 31 says, those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, they will change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. 
they shall walk and not faint or become tired. I think I've taught about the eagles several times here in many churches. I've studied the eagles so much. But that, that changing and renewal, it, it comes to just touch it briefly there. When you go to God, it's like the Hebrew word there is quiver, like a, a three-court strand. So you go to God weak, exhausted from life, whatever life has dealt you with, the things that you've been through. And in that place with him, those who expect, that means you, when you're expecting somebody, guess what you do? You prepare, don't you? You know, make prepared for me. I, I, I bully her kindly when I'm coming, you know, because she's the only one I can bully. I can really take her on. If you want to deal with Meg, just come to me. So I tell her, cook this for me, do this. I give her instructions. I'm not even in, in the U.S. I tell her all the foods I want to eat that she must make for me. So she prepares for me. She's so scared of me in a good way. <laughs> I was severely bullied when I was a teenager. Maybe this is my healing time. But anyway, she pre really prepares for me. I feel so special. And then she gets me all the things I like to eat and drink and all that. Oh, so good. Tomorrow, I'm back to business as usual. I'll be one, the one doing the cooking. My holiday or whatever is over, over. But anyway, when you're expecting people, somebody, you prepare. So this, the word of God said, those who expect. So if you're expecting God to come, you don't just sit like this. I wonder whether God will answer my prayer or God will come. This God, I don't know. No, you know what you expect? You prepare. You know how you prepare? You prepare on the wings of prayer. On the wings of praise. And then you sing praise. And then that causes the lifting. So whilst your circumstances haven't changed, the preparation, the expected, the things you're preparing, guess what? It lifts you. Up like the eagle mounts. Because the eagle doesn't just, just flap and strive. It just effortlessly lifts up. So he said, those who expect, who look for, who are expecting God, they mount up on the wings of praise. They mount up on the wings of prayer. So that doesn't wear you out. It gives you strength. And that strength makes you able. So in that place, he exchanges your weakness and then he gives you his strength. So you leave the, the place of prayer and praise invigorated. That's the renewal. And guess what? Sometimes your natural circumstances haven't changed. But church, by the way, before your natural circumstances change, the change happens here. But this is where the tiredness is, the soul. I'm a therapist. I've done this for two and a half, 20, over 25 years of working with the human soul. And this is, this is the place I work profoundly. We're working to look at thoughts, the emotions, the cognitions, the thoughts that have come up. Look at the behaviors that have come, the trauma, how the trauma is, is kept in the body and was never released, helping people to release their trauma and getting them to change. And when we win the battle here, with, or the client starts to win that battle in the soul, in their emotions, in their thoughts. Guess what? We feel like my work has just started. We're getting somewhere with them. And, and then it's interesting, as soon as people begin unpacking and the thought life is being unpacked and packed with truth, guess what begins to happen? People said, oh, when I was young, I wanted to do this. 
when I was younger, I wanted to do this. That's what Kai Young said. They are start to awaken. Because trauma, adversity, challenges, it steals our dreams. It steals the desires. So we think, oh, COVID tried to steal my desires. Your dream. No, honey, it's still there in your heart. No young man, that dream, hold on to it. Don't, don't take the limits of yourself. So we get worn out. Somebody said the soul is the life center of every human being. That's your life. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4, keep and guard your heart. For out of it, one translation says, flows the forces of life. Flow, the forces of life. This is where we do life. In the soul, the mind, the will, the emotion. That's where the strength is. And that's where we get worn out. And the renewal comes. I have a lot of teachings on the ego, how the ego renews itself on YouTube. Go and listen to it because I want to get somewhere today. And that renewal is like as good as new. Because when the ego renews itself, it does daily renewals. It does 40-day renewals, the ego. And you know what it does? Then it goes to a refreshing stream of water. And it washes all the caked mud, all the things that life has dealt us with. And then it washes with a cool, refreshing water. That's like the coolness of his word washing over you washing over the afflictions, washing off the trials of yesterday. Because you know why? Today is a brand new day. We've never experienced this 20th day of March before. Yesterday is gone, as good as it was. And every new day, he gives us new mercies. Hallelujah. New strength. Yesterday is gone. We might remember it, but we don't want to camp there. We rem- we see, because people say, well, what does the Bible mean when it says forgetting those things that are behind? How do you forget? Well, forgetfulness, may I offer to you, it's not a human property. Human beings do not have the capacity to forget. Only God does. When it says, the Bible says forget, it's saying don't fixate your thoughts on the past. Unpack the past. That's what I do as a therapist with my clients. We unpack the past and we look at it. And we look at the effects. Not, we don't need a story. We just need the effect it has on you today. And we, change, we begin to change those effects so that the, the person can grab life for tomorrow. So we use the past to understand today, to grab the future. Not to camp in the past. Hallelujah. So somebody needs to say goodbye to that past in a very polite way. You need to say to your past, you're not the authority of my future. The person who knows where you're going today is the Holy Spirit. He's your new traveling companion. And he's the one whose voice you need to listen to, not the voice of your past. You need to say goodbye to that past. You need to say goodbye to that relationship. Hallelujah. But coming back, the other aspect of our weariness, I'm sure you've all heard this word before, burn out. So we get tired from the enemy's attacks. We we were doing a pastor's conference, um, we were in a pastor's conference, excuse me, many years ago, my husband and I, and they defined burnout in a way I'd never heard before. 
They said burn out. When you burn out, it's from not what you do, but what you don't do. And I thought, okay, that means when you regularly, listen to this, have periods of pausing on your life journey, when you regularly have periods of reflection on your journey, when you have periods of renewal, it prevents burnout. Because the psalmist talks about he restores my soul. Let's look at how he does that. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 4. The Passion Translation puts it this way. David's poetic praise to God. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. The Lord is present tense, not the past. It's how the past has to go. The Lord is present, my best friend and my shepherd. The, 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 the New Testament also calls him the shepherd of your soul. The shepherd of your soul. That means you have to give him ownership of your life center, your heart, your desires. He is, present tense, my shepherd and my best friend. Then he says, I always have more than enough. Always. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. I love this translation. He offers a resting place. So the shepherd of your soul literally is saying, can you just come? Let me take your hand as your shepherd and give you rest in your heart. Because that's where the turmoil is. He offers a resting place for you in his luxurious love where he says this, it's okay what they said about you. It's okay. Life has been tough. He says, but I love you. He tells you I've always loved you with an everlasting love. He offers present tense. His tracks. <laughs> you see, I run on tracks. I run in the woods when I've been here. I've been running these trails. He says his tracks, the shepherd of your soul, his tracks take you on an oasis of peace and the quiet brook of bliss. Don't you just love that? That's where he wants to take you. You know when he says the Lord is my shepherd, do you know that some of you, he's not your shepherd? He needs to, you need, if somebody says, I am your shepherd. You need to give him your soul to shepherd. When I was in my late 20s, I went to a certain country that I shall not mention. But it's in Africa. My mother was living there. At the time, I have family from there. And we're crossing the road. I'm a big girl. I'm 20. I was, I think, 20 or 21. We're crossing the road. My mother holds my hand. I said, Ma, <laughs> this is embarrassing. I can cross the road. She just held my hand. He said, you don't know the city like I know it. Okay. Shepherd me through the road then so I don't get knocked down. The shepherd of your soul, even though you know life. Oh, you're 45, you're 50, you've done life. But he says, I want to hold your hand and lead you. Because my tracks, my tracks take you through an oasis of bliss and peace. I want these words to just set in your heart. 
this morning. That's where he wants to lead you. But he, I'm not done. Look at what else he says. Verse 3. That's where, that's where he restores and revives my life. Because life beats us. That's where, when he comes to get you, to take you on that track, literally the shepherd of your soul wants to revive and restore. The word restore means to go back to the beginning. So it doesn't mean that God gives you back your childhood, but he goes back to the point of departure where things change for you and he restores, he resets it back. So if it's self-image, you see yourself the way he sees you. That's where, when he takes you on those tracks, he restores. Then guess what? Revive. That's renewal. So when he, the shepherd takes you out of his restoration program, so to speak, guess what? You're vitalized. You're, you're energized to take on life. But people know you've just come through a storm. They're like, how can you do this? Because your shepherd has been walking you through, hallelujah, and the place of bless, hallelujah. Let's continue this very familiar psalm that came alive for me during COVID, the psalm. I, I shared with Pastor Meg, in my overlooking the window of my bedroom are these open fields, and these sheep were brought there to graze. Church, I kid you not, I asked my husband, have the sheep always been here every spring? He says, I don't know. When life slowed down, people, I began to notice and pay attention. When life slowed down, life slowed down for me. I don't know about you, but I have achieved more in the slowed down life than I did. His tracks would take you to different. So I saw the sheep. And the first thing I saw looking at for the sheep, now I have time to watch sheep. Usually I'm running, I'm going to the gym, I shower there, I dress quickly, I'm run to my car, I drink my coffee in my car, I eat on the go, and I never even lost any weight. I weighed the same thing for the last 10 years. I never questioned what I did or why I did it, no reflection. I'm the, I'm the queen of what I'm teaching you and what I'm learning now. And I'm sharing my truth and his truth that he's shown me. Run to the gym, run to the office. I pray in tongues all the way there. God has mercy on me because he does something for my clients, not because of me, but in spite of me. He helps me help them. And then I saw the sheep in, my, in the fields near my house. I said, Lord, how did this sheep get here? You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? They trusted the shepherd to bring them here. Do you, I want to ask you, submit to you, trust the shepherd of your soul this morning. Do you trust him to give him your life? You know, that's hard for us. We sing it. We talk about it. But in practice, what does that look like in reality? Is he, I want to ask you, don't answer me. It's between you and him. The shepherd of your soul. Verse four is beautiful. Lord, even when your path, because, <laughs> okay, let me finish this. I'm getting so excited. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, 
Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me, and you lead me through it all the way. For your authority is my strength and my peace. And the comfort of your love takes away my fear. And I will never be lonely because you are near. He's near. Are you hearing him? That you know when you, when you study sheep, because the sheep in my backyard caused me to begin learning about sheep. In the winter, when the shepherd is taking them, some of the tracks and the trails in Israel and beyond were through the mountains. But the sheep, and sheep are very fearful animals, just like you and I. That's why he calls us sheep. They're so scared of everything. They're afraid of life. They're afraid of everything. So the shepherd takes them, and they trust him. So some of the trails will be dark. Valleys, trouble, affliction. Pain. But he says, even when the tracks takes me, as long as I'm walking with the shepherd of my soul, when the tracks take me to that deep, darkest valley, he says what? Fear will never conquer you because he already has conquered fear. And he says, the authority of my love takes away your fear. And I will not be afraid because he's always near. Lord, the Lord is right here. Even through that dark season, he's right near with you. Hallelujah. The third point I want to make, I'm going to bring this all tight all together soon. Are you all with me so far? Pausing. Reflection, renewal. I want to talk about something, a word that came out of our, of our work as therapists in COVID. And the reason why I'm sharing this word with you, that particular word is that I saw it in the Bible as well. I thought, God, you have spoken into everything in our world. That word is languishing. Anybody ever heard the word languishing? Yeah. Adam, Adam Grant wrote in the New York Times during COVID that about an article called Languishing, and he termed it that languishing is the middle child of mental health. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a middle child, so you know what that means. As a middle child, I was not the firstborn, and I was not the last, and I was always trying to find my place. Now I know my place, that God has a place for me. So when he says that languishing is the middle child of mental health, it means that on a positive note, languishing is not, we are not really thriving. It means stagnant or dormant. Then on a negative note, it's not also depression, but you're still stuck. Languishing. Let me unpack it some more. Languishing versus flourishing. So if mental health is viewed on a spectrum from positive to negative feelings, languishing will be closer to the negative. That's what I just said. But not far enough to be considered an illness. Its opposite is flourishing. So you get it. So when you're languishing, it means things are stagnant. And during the pandemic, the article that they wrote was that 
people lost their psychological fuel. Let's not make this too academic and so we lose the spiritual side. So psychological fuel, think about it. Your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. It's your center. That's where you get fuel from. Do you get it? Life. That's what gives you ideas, all of that. So when we, we all came to a state. Not all of us may have experienced languishing, but we came to a place where we didn't have connections anymore. We were not really creating anything. We we're not setting goals for two years per se. So the, 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 the pandemic, also we, we, we stopped having what we, we call new experiences. All of those things, rest, proper rest, and creating and awakening, they are all the stuff that life is made out of. So some of us came into what we call languishing. Psalm 68 verse 9. And when I read that article by Adam Grant in the New York, New York Times, I thought I've heard this word before. I've heard this word before and I went and searched my Bible. Come with me please to Psalm 68 verse 9 to 10. Psalm 68 verse 9 to 10. God's answer, I called it to fatigue. Because that's what languishing is. Are you all there? You, oh God, did send a plentiful rain. You did restore and confirm your heritage when it languished and was weary. Hey, I was so excited. I'm like, God, you speak into everything in our world if we will only look with the eyes of the Spirit. You, oh God, did send what? A plentiful rain. You did what? He restores and he confirms his heritage when it languished and was weary. So even as we come out of weariness, burnout, whatever, guess what? Verse 10 says, and your flock found a dwelling place in it. For you, oh God, in your goodness did provide for the poor and the needy. So even if you are not, you are in your burnout or you're tired or you're languishing, you're neither here nor there, you're experiencing stagnation. God is sending a plentiful rain to restore his heritage. Like this you say, revive, be revived again. Is your heart still beating this morning? Then receive the plentiful rain. It's not going to come, it's raining. You see, sometimes it's raining and we don't, we're not under the rain. Because we run and hide. You know, we run and hide. I'm running to raise money for Rwanda. And I, 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 I said to my friends, a lot of these survivors, they run for their lives. Every day I run toward my goals. Because there's a plentiful rain. I'm running for my goals. I'm not just sitting and moaning about the two years I've lost and the two years that nothing happened. I've had, is my heart still beating this morning? Is your heart beating this morning? Because God is restoring his creation, when it languished and was weary. The tiredness in our soul, he wants to restore you, reset you back on course. Hallelujah. But let's look in closing at a man who was refreshed by God. Uh, since it's a lot of reading, I'll tell you the story and we'll preach some more. First Kings 18, I'll give you the reference. And First Kings 19, if you can write it down, if you're writing notes, a man who was refreshed by God. You see, when we have burnout, guess what? We have insomnia. Forgot to say what? Oh, some of the symptoms of burnout, insomnia, you don't sleep very well. Your appetite changes. And also you're fatigued. Just hold that. 
And I'm going to read these verses and you see how God speaks profoundly to every human brokenness in our lives. First Kings 18. Elijah, I'll tell you the story. Elijah was used mightily by God to the extent that when Ahab the king saw him, he said, hey, Ahab must have been African like me. Ahab said, hey, are you the one who troubles Israel? Because Elijah was doing fierce miracles. You know, he was on the ball. He was really doing stuff, you know. And he had the showdown with the 400 prophets of Baal in Carmel, where he says, everybody must bring their God. And then we'll see the God who answered by fire. He was bold. He was fearless. That's how I want to become. I'm getting there, but I'm not there yet. But that's how I want to become fearless, bold, not scared, you know. And the Bible said that the hand of the Lord was mighty upon him, that he was able to run ahead of the king's chariot to Jezreel. When I'm running in the morning and my knees start going funny, you know what I say? My husband did a sermon. He said Moses was 80-something years old. And God said, Moses, come up to the mountain. He said, an old man went up the mountain. So whenever I'm running the fields near my house, I go, I'm not as old as Moses. I can do this. I'm not as old as Moses. None of my natural force is abated. None of my natural force is abated. I can run, run, I can run, run. It works, people. It's the word. Because the Bible said, and Moses, when he was old, none of his natural force was abated. Read your Bible, oh, it will help you live long. I'm telling you, an old man went up the mountain. I said, God, I'm going up. You know, people, when I tell my friends, I run. Oh, you're going to get bad knees. People are negative, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I don't tell anybody, anyone, my, that's my age friends. <laughs> I don't tell them. I just go by myself. I go alone. I go with the Lord. None of my natural force is abated. None of my natural force is abated. None of my natural force is abated. <laughs> and then I dance and everything. You know, I dance. My God is good. Oh, oh, my God is good. Oh, I do that. Then I time myself. How oh, I do one kilometer. Then I do it. And I say, my body, my race. <laughs> I have to enjoy this life. To. Have I cried before? All the time. When I finish, I just wipe my face and then I go. I hit the road. <laughs> you have to live. Oh, your heart is beating. You have more than a dollar in your hand. You have to live. You enjoy your life. Every year, my birthday, I go to Harrods, the most expensive shop in, in London. Every year, my birthday, I didn't go this Friday because I was here. When I go back, I'll go. If I can find 20 pounds, I go to Harrods. I sit at the rotisserie. I order everything. Once I have 20 pounds or more, and I eat, and I say, happy birthday, Jane. You're a nice girl. <laughs> yep. There was a time I didn't live like that. What am I waiting for? Heaven is going to be sweet, but here it's supposed to be sweet too. So I'm going to walk through my trials also with joy. Because joy is not because I have money in the bank. It's inside. It's inside. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. So let me continue and bring this home so I don't miss my flight. Because I need to get back. People are waiting for me. I will do my own cooking from tomorrow. Meg is finished cooking for me. <laughs> so, in First Kings chapter 19, 
3 to 9. Jezebel threatened Elijah. Any man here ever been threatened by a woman before? Some of them are fierce. She threatens Elijah. This is a man who had a showdown with 400 prophets in Baal. He ran ahead of the king's chariot. Mighty man of God. So verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. First Kings 19 I'm reading people. People of God. First Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And how he has slain all the prophets of Baal with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more. If I can, I will not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She threatened to kill him. She was a tough woman. I don't want to be like her. That I don't want to be like. I want to be like Moses. Then he was afraid. You think you're the only one. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, Elijah, a man of emotions like us. He was afraid. A man who had killed 400, 400 prophets of Baal. Ran ahead of a child. God used him mightily. He also had moments of fear. Just like you and I. The Bible says he was afraid. And he arose. He ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba of Judah. Over 85 miles out of Jezebel's realm. He was running as far from here as possible. He left his servant there. Can you believe it? He left his servant there and ran without his servant. You know, many years ago, my husband and I went to Italy. I researched all the holiday and I found in the Sunday times this quaint 18th century villa on a hill. I'm afraid of heights, y'all, and all that. But I, had, I have an idea also in my mind of how I want to live my life. We found this villa. We rented a car. We flew to, we, we flew to Naples. We got into our rented car. Our kids were, I think, four and five then we began to drive up this hill. Our cars are manual. A lot of the cars, the rental cars in, in Europe are manual. My husband hit the clutch. The car got stuck on the hill. He hit the, the car stuck on the hill. I opened the car doors, took my kids and ran. <laughs> and I left him. I ran with the kids, went some, stood somewhere, and watched what he, whether the car would burn or what would happen. I'm sorry, I did. I was scared. I was like Elijah. I had not even killed 400 prophets. And the woman who owned the villa, she's Italian. And she saw us. She came down. Everybody on the coastline drive, drives a battered car because of the hills. So you don't take new cars there. So the cars hit the side. She came. She said, what happened here? And then my husband told him what had happened. The car was stuck. His wife had run away with the kids. <laughs> She said, she said, every time British people get here, wife go hysteric. <laughs> I said hysterical, not hysteric, you know, but I was hysteric. <laughs> so Elijah left his servant and ran. Let me carry on. And look, behold, he was afraid and rose and left Je Je Jezebel's realm. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a lone broom or juniper tree. And he asked that he might die. He was suicidal. He said, Lord, take my life. My life is not worth anything right now. He said, it is enough now, oh Lord, take away my life. For I am no better than my father's. He was depressed. Just like us sometimes. And he lay asleep under the broom or juniper tree and behold... An angel came and touched him and said, Arise and eat, 
For he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals, and a bottle of water at his head. And he ate and drank, and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and nights to Horeb, the mount of God. I want to read this long reading. I'm going to just explore this and unpack this. There he came a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I am only the only one left, and they seek my life to take it away. And behold, God said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by a great and strong wind, rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of gentle stillness and a still, small voice. I've given you the beginning of the story. Elijah had accomplished all these feats, and he was doing so well. Jezebel threatened him. And, you know, when you've, you have worked, you've worked so hard and done and accomplished so much, remember I talked about just sometimes sitting and resting and embodying and taking in your work. He was tired emotionally. So guess what? When you're tired emotionally, you become vulnerable. Your emotions are just on the edge. I'm showing the process. He had worked physically very hard. Then also he didn't take time. He just kept going on. He was a man of God, but we see the process. Fear came in. He had suicidal thoughts. He felt depressed. And then the angel of the Lord came to him. And, and then he went to a cave. He hid. Notice the process of refreshment from burnout. Notice the process. First, the angel touched him and he said, this is the word of the Lord. No. He says, arise. Do what? Eat. So the first thing we, he did was that he needed his body to be nourished. Sometimes we forget our nourishment. I used to do that. I used to run on empty, not eat well. I didn't eat junk, but I didn't eat well. I'd go for long periods just having coffee in the, when I was in my 20s. You know, that kind of lifestyle would not sustain me to finish my journey if I had continued it. You see how sometimes some of our things we inflict upon ourselves. So the angel of the Lord came and he, he said, arise and eat. Then he ate and he drank and then he laid down. Second thing God gave him was that he needs food. First, he needs food, sleep. And the angel touched him again and said, arise again and eat. And the second time he touched him, he said, arise, for the journey is too great for you. He sent me to come and tell you, you still have dreams ahead of you. Meg, you still got stuff you got to do. The journey is great, so you need to be strengthened. Not spiritually fast. From burnout, from renewal. He said, what? Natural food. You need to eat well. Strong. Eat well. Then sleep. And then eat again. Then sleep. But a lot of times, we're just looking for the word of the Lord. God, you spoke to me before in 1965. God, you spoke in 1980. God, where's your voice? He said, the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the noise. After he had eaten, he had slept, he was rested, he was mentally in a good place to hear God. Then God could speak to his heart. 
Some of you need to just go and eat a good meal today and sleep. Yeah, I'm seriously, seriously. Or take me to lunch. I'll show you how to do it. Yeah, yeah, I have a flight, but yeah. But you see the order for burnout because he couldn't hear God in that state. God is not about to just give you a word because, you, because you're special, because he's got things for you. No, he's interested in longevity and you going the distance. And you need a strong body to go the distance. So he says, sleep, eat. Because we get so caught up. I haven't heard God's voice. I haven't. He says, sleep. You need a good night's sleep. Eat. Then came and also in a still small voice. You know why? We get used to hearing God a certain way. And we want him to speak the same way as he did yesterday. And, and sometimes, somebody says, sometimes our most sacred experiences blind us. Sometimes our most sacred experiences blind us. And the light that makes you see can also dazzle your eyes. So we want the same experience as yesterday. And God is saying, today is the 20th of March. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Yesterday is gone. I'm still God. I'm doing a new thing. Don't let the sacred experience of yesterday dazzle you, bedazzle you, so you don't hear my voice. He says, I'm not in the noise that's happening all over the world. I'm not in all the voices out there. Eat. Just have a good meal today. Sleep. We'll speak. We'll give you instructions for the next season because the people of God, we go forward. That's what he sent me to come and tell you. Go and eat. Hallelujah. Sleep. And then move on. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord for you. That's the word of the Lord for you. Yahweh's grace will give you divine strength for your journey. Just pause today. Reflect and renew. Put your right hand on your heart. Let me pray for you, my dear friends and family. Father, I thank you for the people of God in this assembly, those watching online, those who will listen to this message. Father, even as they touch their heart, just as a point of contact, Father, I thank you for an awakening within their hearts of every dream, of every desire, of dormant aspirations. Lord, that you awaken your people in the name of Jesus. But Father, where there's been emotional dejection and, and pain and loss, Lord, let pour in the oil and the wine of the Holy Spirit. And to those wounded areas of your people's hearts, let the healing begin of those emotions because you bind and you heal the brokenhearted. And Lord, revive, restore your creation again, that they will flourish and move forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Have a great lunch. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Jane. That was an amazing word. And we need to put it into practice. The Bible says we should not be hearers only, but doers of the word. Amen. Um, Pastor Jay mentioned briefly that she's running for 100 days. And what she's doing is she's running the 100 days to raise money for a, a counseling center she wants to establish in Rwanda. 
to train the natives. You know, they went through that genocide and she works with about 61 of them online. And, you know, the, the, the pain and the trauma is still there. There are a lot of them. I went to a wedding with one of her friends and she told me most of the people here are survivors, have no family, family all wiped out. So there's still a lot of pain and trauma. So they need um, counseling and healing so that this doesn't occur again. Because if it's not dealt with pain and hurt, it's likely that, you know, revenge and vengeance. So they, that aside, they just need to be helped. So she's running 100 days and raising money for this uh, project that she wants to do in Rwanda. She has a page. She'll send me the link. I will give it out and you can go and support the center that she wants to um, establish in Rwanda. So thank you, Jane, for that amazing word. It's been an amazing two days. Yesterday was great. Today is the same. And um, we have actually got some CDs from yesterday's meeting. So if you go to the back, you can purchase some of the CDs from yesterday. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Pastor Sandra, are you doing your Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. So if we have announcements, I don't know them. <laughs> I trust there aren't any. Praise the Lord. Um, and I'm looking around, and we're all family. So <clears throat> I just want to remind you, that this ministry is so powerful because of the prayer that undergirds it. So I just want to thank all of you who faithfully pray and stand for the ministry. God bless you richly. Amen. So we're going to use this opportunity to um, ask you to sow back into the ministry that has sown so much to you. So um, if you'd like to give financially, there are three ways for you to do that. And I'm just going to get the paper so I can make sure I don't miss anything. Hallelujah. There are three ways to give. The first is through a Zelle transfer. And if you'd, oh, sorry. If you'd like to give through Zelle, hallelujah, the name of the ministry again, for those online who may not know, is World Missions Ministries. And the Zelle transfer number is 571 234 287. For those of you who'd like to give online, you can go to our website, www.wmmchurch.org, and press the donate button. For those of you who are more old school and want to write a check, feel free to do that. And apparently, they still have money orders. Who knew? Um, but if you want to give by mail, um, you can mail it to our home church, World Missions Ministries, and the address is 6805 East Clinton Street in Clinton, Maryland, and the zip code is 20735. So I'll give you a chance to write your checks or to go to the home site and um, donate electronically, and then we'll just go to the Lord and pray over the offering. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Dr. Jane, you're always an absolute blessing. Honest to God. The way you make things so simplistic and show us that the mind is a very powerful tool. So we bless the Lord uh, for you and thank God for safe traveling mercies for you as you go. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. I appreciate my personal uh, psychiatric moment with you yesterday. I feel like you met each one of us right where we were. Amen. So we were instructed today to arise and eat. Rarely does the church tell us to go to sleep. Amen. So thank you for permission to get some sleep. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's go to the Lord and bless the offering. Glory to God. Father, we, we're so grateful to you for the way you always come to see about us. We're thankful today, God, for the instruction you have given us to wait on you and be of good courage and watch you strengthen our hearts. Thank you for telling us, hallelujah, to pause and to rest and to reflect. We're grateful today, God, for what you have ministered to us. And now, God, we just want to give back to you. We thank you, God, that you are the one that blesses us and gives us the seed to sow. So we choose to cheerfully give back to you. We thank you, God, and we bless your name that there's meat in this house. There's always enough for us and enough for us to give. So we give you glory for what you have already established in World Missions Ministries. We call the debt on this edifice to be paid in full and in our respective homes to be paid in full as well in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, hallelujah, for the seeds that are being sown today. They're being sown in good soil. We thank you and we bless you that you you have blessed each one of us and made us a blessing to you be all glory all praise and all dominion in jesus name amen hallelujah hallelujah glory to god so if you have an envelope that you'd like to um, give you can come up at this time and drop them either to my left or to my right into the basket for those of you who are online we bless the Lord for you, and we, we, we welcome you and look forward to you coming back to hear more about what thus says the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah.